Thanks, Belinda. If you've got a Bible, please keep it open there. Uh, my name's Jono, by the way, if we haven't met. It's a, a real privilege to be here with you. Uh, th- this afternoon, we're, we're starting a series in the book of, of 1 Thessalonians. Uh, but just to begin, can I plug another book? Uh, maybe it'll come up on the screen. We've been reading this with our kids uh, after dinner, well, between dinner and dessert. That seems to be the best way to do it. Um, It's a commentary on Mark's Gospel. So read a little bit of Mark's Gospel, a short commentary with a question and a prayer. Uh, It's it's written for kids, but I've really been enjoying it. And I've been struck, as we've been looking at Mark's Gospel, uh, by the transformation in the people that Jesus meets. There's that man that's full of evil spirits. Uh, He's mad. No, no one can even go near him. Jesus cast the spirits into the pigs, you know the story. Um, and the man is left fully clothed and in his right mind. Uh, there's a woman who's been bleeding for 12 years. The doctors make things worse. She touches Jesus' cloak and she's healed immediately. There's those early disciples there fishing. Jesus says, come follow me, and they leave their nets behind, and off they go. Their world is is turned upside down. They become fishes of people. Jesus brings all kinds of change, all kinds of transformation. I I remember there was a a dad whose daughter had returned from a a scripture union agricultural camp. Uh, She was your typical teenager, not very helpful around the house, Uh, But having returned from this camp, her dad was shocked because she willingly, happily, without being asked, made a habit of doing the dishes. What happened? Jesus brings transformation. Uh, We heard from my dad last week, if you were here, that was a bit of a special treat for me. Uh, He had eternity stuck in his mind to the point that he was losing sleep. Uh, He surrendered his life to Jesus, he slept soundly, and then he began to notice the needs of others. Jesus brings transformation. I wonder this afternoon, might you reflect with me as we begin in 1 Thessalonians, has the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ transformed you? Transformed and transforming. Uh, The Apostle Paul, he's well into his second missionary journey. Uh, Hopefully there's a a map coming up on the screen. Uh, And if you look to the top left of that map, uh, Paul and the team, they're they're hitting the cities. It's Philippi. Not sure if you can see that. But then Thessalonica, Berea, and down to Athens and Corinth. In Acts chapter 16, verse 9, we read of Paul having a vision. There's a man in Macedonia standing and begging him, come and help us. And so they conclude that's where God wants them to be, up there to the left in Macedonia, preaching the gospel. And it's Philippi first that they share the message of Jesus and some believe there's Lydia and members of her household. But in Acts 16, what we read uh, that... Paul and Silas, for preaching the gospel, they're stripped and flogged, they're beaten and they're thrown into prison. There's an earthquake while they're in prison. It's all quite uh, dramatic. Uh, The the prison doors are open, the shackles are, are released 
The jailer is about to kill himself for he'll be the one who's held responsible if the prisoners escape. But Paul says, don't harm yourself, we're still here. And that Philippian jailer, he cries out, what must I do to be saved? And he calls on the name of Jesus and he and his whole household are baptised. That's Philippi and they move to Thessalonica. Uh, We just had read for us in Acts chapter 17 verse 4, some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. Here we have the beginnings of this church in, in Thessalonica. People are responding positively to the saving message of Jesus. But some jealous Jews round up some dodgy characters. They start a riot. They form a, a, a mob. Uh, and so we read in verse 10 of Acts 17, as soon as it was night, the believers... These brand new believers send Paul and Silas away to Berea. Um, As we read 1 Thessalonians over the next six weeks or so, it's only 2,000 words, by the way, so you can read it in 20 minutes. As we read it and as we reread it, it's hard to know how long Paul and the others were actually in Thessalonica. We know that they went to the synagogue, a Jewish place for teaching and prayer, for three Sabbath days. So they're Saturday three times, at least three weeks, but some think that they may have been there up to six months. In any case, it's not much of a goodbye, is it? Smuggled off at night because of a riot. After Thessalonica, it's Berea and the people there were receptive to the gospel, but again, the jealous Jews, they bring trouble. And so Paul is sent to the coast while Silas and Timothy stay. After some time in Athens on his own, Paul ends up in Corinth. Now, I just put that up and and sort of talk you through it because it's likely that it was from Corinth that Paul wrote this letter, 1 Thessalonians. And most of the, the commentators seem to agree that 1 Thessalonians was, was written very early on, so like maybe 52 AD, with perhaps Galatians only written before it. Can you just imagine with me, though, for a moment, Paul's concern for those believers in Thessalonica? He left at night because of a riot. They smuggled him away. How are they going in the faith, he must be wondering, those that he left behind. Was this sort of a flash-in-the-pan kind of a thing? Uh, Have they ditched their faith now that he's gone? Was the persecution too great? Have things calmed down and they've just gone back to the old ways? It's easier to just live like everyone else, isn't it? What happened to those Thessalonians? Well, we know from chapter 3 of 1 Thessalonians that they actually sent Timothy to Thessalonica to find out how they were going. And Timothy returns with good news. In fact, 1 Thessalonians has this feel of thankfulness, especially in the first three chapters. Paul is elated at the transformative work of God in these believers. What happened in Thessalonica all those years ago? Well, chapter 1, verses 1 to 10, what we're looking at this afternoon, the gospel 
creates the church and the church spreads the gospel. In these first 10 verses, we have a description of what the local church looks like. The gospel creates the church and the church spreads the gospel. What are some characteristics of the local church? Well, we're here in Bagara this afternoon, aren't we? Uh, it's not a bad place to be, Bagara. We're here in Bagara, but a church always has two places of residence, two homes. And you see this in verse 1 as the letter begins. We read, Paul, Silas and Timothy. It's a letter written as a team to the church of the Thessalonians. They're there in Thessalonica, but also in God, the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you. I wonder if that was a great encouragement to those youngish believers who must have been feeling vulnerable. Yes, I'm here in Thessalonica. I'm doing it tough. The persecution is full on. But I'm also in God, in the Father, in the Son, united to God himself. It sounds wonderfully secure, doesn't it? Every church, every believer has two homes. Such is the transformative work of Christ. I'm in Begara, but also in God himself. And as Paul's thankfulness for the Thessalonians oozes out in verses 2 and 3, we always thank God for all of you, he says. We continually mention you in our prayers. We see this Community is characterized by faith, love, and hope. Look, look at verse 3. It says, We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Whereas you and I have a natural tendency to be inward looking, me and my problems, me and my hopes and my dreams, the gospel moves us to think about others. Do you notice that the three, faith, love and hope, they're outgoing. Someone described it upwards to God in faith. I don't trust in myself, but in him. Outwards to others in love, we begin to notice the needs of others. Onwards to Christ's second coming, hope, we endure looking to his return. And you could picture the teenage girl, couldn't you, doing the dishes? What's going on there? Why the change? A work produced by faith, a labour prompted by love. And I reckon it's wonderful the way that we see this at work in our church family. Why would you cook me dinner when I know you're already busy? Or paint my house? Or help me financially? Why would you drive me to the hospital and to all of those other appointments or clean up my yard? Why would you sit with me and listen and cry? Why would you do all of those things? Well, it's a, it's a work produced by faith, a, a labour of love as we keep at it with our hope set on Jesus' return. 
Such is the transformative work of God. And as Paul remembers before God, God's work in the Thessalonians, it's a wonderful thing for us to do as well, isn't it? Do you ever do this? You just stop and you think about the people you know in our church family and you remember them. Now, I'm so encouraged to see so many of you living out your faith, compelled to care for those around you in all of the various communities that we're a part of. The believer in Jesus, faith in God, has love for others as we look for the Lord's return, resting in his sure promise. So some characteristics of the local church. Well, it's a community. We're in Bagara, the Bundaberg region, sure, but two homes. We're also in God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. The local church, a community characterised by faith, love, and hope. It's seen in the practical work, labour, endurance. But also notice verse 4, the local church, a community chosen by God. Paul says, for we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Paul speaks of election. How does Paul know that God has chosen these Thessalonians? Is it a bit arrogant for him to say this? No, no, it just has to do with their formation by the gospel. The gospel creates the church. What has gone on with you Thessalonians, says Paul, is God at work? Uh, See verse 5? Paul says, Our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. When someone comes to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, it isn't some distant, yes, I I believe this, but it doesn't really impact my day-to-day life. No, it's so gripping that it turns our lives upside down. It's a work of God. As someone shares the word with us, God the Holy Spirit applies it to our hearts. Uh, Jen likes putting quotes up on our fridge. I I love that. It's a great way way to learn uh, Bible verses and things. Uh, One of the quotes that she's had up for a long time, I love it. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, he said, All hope in ministry lies on the Spirit of God operating on the hearts of man. It's a work of God. Uh, John Webster describes what happens when someone comes to faith, belief in the Lord Jesus. He says, to believe in the Lord Jesus is to do far more than simply give him a passing nod with the mind or even to honour him with our religious devotion. It's the astonished business of being so overthrown by his reality, so mastered by his sheer presence, so judged by him that we can do nothing other than acknowledge that he is supremely real, supremely true. To believe in him is to confess him, to affirm with mind and will and heart that he fills all things. 
that our only hope lies in his name. Yeah, that Philippian jailer was about to kill himself. He's going to be held accountable for the prisoners escaping. What must I do to be saved? He calls upon the name of Jesus. Believing in him, confessing him, says Webster, involves no less than everything. And it's true, isn't it? It's not just one department of life, along with all the other things, working, loving, hoping, creating, worrying. But faith in Jesus encompasses absolutely everything. How does Paul know that the Thessalonians were chosen by God? Well, the gospel came to them. When it came to them, it changed everything. In verse 6, we see they, they become imitators of Paul and the team, as well as Jesus. They, they welcome the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. It's when we're willing to suffer for something that we say we believe that we're really seen to believe it, wouldn't you say? The Thessalonians suffered with joy. And so the Thessalonians become a model church, says Paul in verse 7. They received the gospel and it transformed them. They embodied the gospel and it rang out from them, verse 8. Like a bell rings out, they spread the gospel. I really love what Paul says. He says, we're not just talking about that region, Macedonia and, and Achaia as big as those regions are. Now see the second half of verse 8. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Now Paul may be overstating it a little, but it's beautiful, isn't it? The gospel creates the church and the church spreads the gospel. You imagine Timothy, he's been sent to go and check on the Thessalonians. How are they going? He's on his way. And before he even gets near to them, the people around are saying, those Thessalonians, something happened with that lot. And they explain the gospel, verse 9 and 10. They've turned from They've turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Verse 9 and 10 are worth memorizing, aren't they? It's a wonderful description of, of conversion, gospel transformation. The gospel creates the church. The church spreads the gospel. You cannot have one without the other. And so this afternoon, have you turned to God from idols? From living for yourself, money, power, comfort, ease, from idols to serve the true and living God while waiting for Jesus' return. If not, just consider this your invitation Call on the name of Jesus, surrender your life to him. Do it. And see your world turned upside down and know that it's a work of God. Wouldn't it be good 
If in God's mercy, by his word and spirit, the Lord's message ring out from us as a local church, the gospel creates us, the local church, and the church spreads the gospel. I really love it in Acts chapter 5. The gospel is spreading. And you know Acts, it's the unstoppable news of Jesus. And the apostles, they're brought before the Sanhedrin, the Jewish ruling authority, and they're questioned. Verse 28 of that chapter, they say this, We gave you, you apostles, we gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. That is the name of Jesus. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. It's good, isn't it? I wonder, what if our region was filled with the teaching of Jesus? What if the message rang out from us in such a way that people all over the place, oh, we know them, they say, down at the beach, we know them, and in the skate park, we know them in the various schools, the aged care facilities, in all, all of the different workplaces. We know them. They say they have two homes, you know. Bagara, you know, the Bundaberg region. But they're in God. It sounds a bit strange, but they trust in this Jesus. They care profoundly about the needs of others. And they say they're waiting for Jesus' return. They suffer joyfully for the faith they hold. That Jesus has completely transformed them. I reckon it would be wonderful if that was the case. Now, can I just say to finish, I'm really encouraged to see King Jesus at work in you. And there's many, many examples. And I want to encourage you to remember each other and the work that God is doing in and among us. It's exciting. Let's pray. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we, we want to thank you uh, that we can come to you knowing that you are the true and living God. Lord, we thank you that when the gospel comes, when you apply it to our hearts and minds by your spirit, you turn our worlds upside down. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would be transforming us. Not as a one-off thing, but that we would be being transformed by the power of your gospel. That we, you would be building us and shaping us for your glory. And that your gospel would ring out from us. Lord, please... Help us to keep on turning away from the temptation of the idols that we might keep on serving you while waiting for Jesus' return. And mighty God, we ask that our community, that our character would be one of faith, love and hope and that these things would be seen in concrete activity as we care profoundly for each other and everyone else in our community. Merciful God, we're conscious that it's no good for us looking in at ourselves. That brings despair. 
So we pray that you would help us keep on fixing our eyes on Jesus, uh, the very author and the perfecter of our faith. We pray in his great name. Amen.